Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What's up and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. Every week we bring you stories from nomads from around the world so that you could see if maybe van life is something that you want to do. And I think it just might be. If you're listening to this podcast right now, it means that you clicked on it for a reason and you are interested in this type of lifestyle. And our guest today is an amazing woman. Catherine is a full-time digital nomad. She started out in van life, and now she's moved to what she calls slow travel. (laughs) And hey, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. So we're going to have some links and stuff for her business, which is called Career Anywhere. So if this is something that you've been thinking about doing, I know a lot of people, the biggest question that we get is, How do you make money on the road? Yeah, it's the most important question. To be able to keep up with this lifestyle and keep up with traveling, you have to have some type of income. So maybe even starting to do something like this part-time, just so you bring in a a separate income, uh, that might be something that makes you say, you know what, I can make this lifestyle happen for me. There's been some funny stuff going around on TikTok lately. This girl in like a Jeep Wrangler. camper Wrangler situation is complaining that, you know, everybody who lives van life must be a millionaire and must have a trust fund and all this stuff. And, you know, all of our friends who are not trust fund kids, you know, who literally just decided they wanted to do it, got out and made it happen and became, you know, independent business people are like, who are you, first of all? And second of all, maybe you just haven't figured out how this works. And actually, believe it or not, on the road, we have not met one person who has been a trust fund baby. Uh, a lot of people who would be a trust fund baby would probably pick a different lifestyle than van life. Yeah, Realistically, something more luxurious. I mean, they would probably be able to have houses all over the place wherever they want if they're a trust fund kid. So why the heck would they spend their time traveling in a van going from place to place, struggling half the time, either to try to find a place to sleep or try to find, you know, that not sleep in a Walmart parking lot? Yeah, and no shade on you if you do have a trust fund and you want to live in van life. You know, everybody comes to it from a different angle. But it's like, to assume that somebody else has, you know, just been given a lot of money kind of negates the fact that so many of these people have worked their tails off in order to be able to live this lifestyle. The one thing that I find super interesting about that whole situation, like trust fund child, is then the other thing that you get is you're homeless. So what is it? Do you have a trust fund? Are you homeless? What is it? Do you have a lot of money or no money at all? And those are the two. There's there's no in between. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm thinking we have to apologize to you guys. We missed our podcast last week for the first time in a very long time. Alex and I both came down with COVID, unfortunately, and uh, we had... We had to make sure that we took care of ourselves first. Yeah, so after three years of living nomadically, it finally caught up with us down here in Mexico. And, you know, the pros and cons, um, 
pros, it was fairly inexpensive to get a hotel room for a couple of nights. Well, I went through the worst of mine. Unfortunately, I was better and we had left the hotel by the time Frankie I mean, really got sick. Not unfortunate because you got better. But unfortunate that I didn't get to spend my stint of COVID in the hotel. I actually had to spend it in the van because uh, we ran out of funds because we are not trust fund kids. Yeah. We ran out of funds to be able to stay in the hotel. And um, yeah, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. And somebody had to bite the bullet and it happened to be me and I'm, I'm okay with that. You're just too slow. You needed to get it quicker. Yeah. <laughs> I I actually I got it a little bit slower than Alex and I kind of seem like it took at least one extra day for me to feel uh you know as good as you were like now today I feel pretty good. Yeah, I think for me it was like 4 days. The other silver lining is that here in Mexico you can go to a pharmacy and get pretty much any drug that you want and we happened to meet a doctor a couple weeks ago and messaged him uh, and he gave us a bunch of prescriptions that we should go get from the pharmacy in Mexico with like, you know, the Mexican names and dosages and things like that. So super helpful. Huge shout out to Frank. Yeah. Thank you, Frank. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because we were talking about random acts of kindness later in this podcast. And as soon as we got off the call with Catherine, she sent us a message because she had lost her wallet the day before we recorded and magically, after the podcast, somebody knocks on the door and it's a construction worker that's like, hey, I found your wallet. Yeah, so they went out of their way to come and return it to them. Obviously, they didn't have to do that. Everything was intact in the wallet, all of her cards and money and whatever. So, you know, there are good people in the world. And especially, I think, you know, we're getting a lot of flack about being in Mexico and how dangerous is Mexico and... You know, it's getting kind of old hearing all of this, yeah. to be totally honest. Um, but I totally understand that there is this image of Mexico that people outside of Mexico... And obviously there's bad things that happen in Mexico, but there's bad things that happen in every country. I think mostly, though, it's location-based. It's a specific spot where all these things are happening. A lot of it's, you know, on the border of, say, United States and Mexico, where you're finding all these big issues that are occurring and why people are so scared of coming to Mexico. But here's the thing. When you come to Mexico, you kind of shoot right through that border country and that border state or that border area. And you go down to the parts where it starts to get more safe. So once we got down past Tijuana and even in Tijuana, it just felt hectic. We didn't want to be there. So we kind of just got right through it and then it felt safe from there on out. Yeah. And we've been loving mainland Mexico. This was another of those hurdles where when we were leaving Baja, everyone was like, Baja is so safe, you know, Baja is wonderful, but like, be very careful when you get to mainland, that's where all the craziness happens. And then since we've been here, we're like, okay, it's pretty the same. Yeah. It's yeah. actually nicer weather. Much nicer weather. And there's trees and green stuff. Yeah. Well, all the places is absolute desert. And I mean, it's beautiful water, but then it's also hard to find fresh water where here you find a lot more of that. So it's just, it's very interesting to, to see what the news says and then realize when you're actually living in a place that they're talking about that it's not fully true. Like, it is true, like, for the article that they made, but they're creating mass hysteria. They they want you to be scared. They don't want you to leave. So 
realistically, it's the way that they are able to push their numbers. We talk all about this in the podcast today, too, as well. Yeah, and I think there's also a bit, too, about, like, the media. You know, we do our monthly news podcast. I think there's a vein in the media that's like, don't do van life. Van life is scary. Van life is dangerous. Van life, you're going to end up homeless. And, like, don't do it. It's bad. And it's like, well, everybody that we know that lives it really enjoys it. And even if it's, you know, only for a six month period or a year or, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever it is, like still on the road, still going strong, you know, everybody's experience with it is different, Mm -hmm. but they all learn and grow and look back fondly on their time in a van. And I think that after you have lived it and you have been a part of it, you can appreciate it. And then when you see somebody else doing it, you're likely to be like, Hey, how can I help you? You know, whatever type of way, or uh, you guys got everything you need, and most likely the person's going to say, yeah. So, like, it just makes you open to being more friendly with each other. Yeah, absolutely. So, we're excited to dive right into this conversation, but before we do, we have our review of the week. Woohoo! What you got, babe? Today's review is from Yoga with Ash, and she, or he, I'm not sure, they say... You guys are literally the only podcast I listen to now, and I love you guys. Your content is so fun and raw and always leaves me wanting more. My boyfriend and our Filipino rescue dog are aspiring van lifers and are currently in a money-saving year to fund our first build and make a trip all the way down to Central America like you guys. Each episode provides so much information about what to expect of everything from how to be self-sufficient with remote work, relationship shifts, to actual shifts in the van itself. I've learned so much, and I can't wait to continue following and supporting you guys on your journey. Keep all the awesomeness coming. Love and light, Ashley. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Ashley. We really do appreciate that. We're so grateful that we could give the information that we've learned along the road to you and to other others that are listening because we know how valuable that information would have been to us when we were first getting interested into the van life, as well as just being on the road and being able to communicate and grab community and get connected with one another. So if you're interested on either being on the podcast once you're on the road or whatnot, just reach out to us. We would love to have you as guests. And also, I forget where I was going to go. I don't know. I forgot where I was going. We were actually talking earlier today about the fact of like having that year of saving and planning is so important for getting on the road and getting your feet under you before you even get started and making a lot of those mindset shifts before you get into the lifestyle so that you're prepared and you can have a great time on the road. So I totally commend you and your partner for doing that. I think that it's a really, really, really smart way to dive into the lifestyle. So let's dive into this podcast and get some more nuggets of wisdom about what it's like to live as a digital nomad. So Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show today. We're really excited to talk and get into your story and how, you know, van life has really kind of changed your life. So why don't we start kind of way back in the beginning, uh, back when you were working in corporate real estate and kind of, you know, go from there. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Wow. Now I'm going to go back a little bit on memory lane. So you're right. I did start out in the corporate world in real estate. Um, Ashley, let me take you guys back to the year of 2018. Ooh. I was dating. <laughs> I had been dating this guy for two years, and we both found ourselves wanting to change careers. 
like you said, I was working in uh, in real estate for a developer in a corporate environment. And by then, I think it would have been my seventh year with them. And my ex worked for himself in event planning. And so we decided to give ourselves a one-year sabbatical. And I love Europe. And he was inspired by his friend Frederick and his family, <laughs> which you guys actually know. <laughs> Yes, we'll circle back to that. That's crazy. <laughs> I know what she's talking about. Yeah. And yeah. so he was inspired by this family um, to do this van life thing. And at that time, I had no idea what traveling and camping in a van entailed. But I like Europe. And so we decided that we would travel along the coast of Western Europe for six months. And we would start end of spring. So prior to that, we decided that we'll rent a place next to Frederick and his family in Colombia. And maybe I'll just speed through the Colombia experience, but we did spend like six months there. And then off to Europe, we went for six months. We did 10 countries. And unfortunately, the relationship did not work out at the end. Um, I end up going to Prague by myself for a month just to process everything that has happened in that year. And then I decided to go back to Vancouver with fresh eyes, not knowing that I would meet my current partner and in Vancouver. And shortly after that, I embarked on yet another chapter in my life in Tulum, building my career as a content writer and fully embracing this location-independent lifestyle. Very cool. So that six months in Europe, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> we're still trying to get over COVID. Yeah. So that six months in Europe when you were in the van, do you feel like that was kind of a challenge for the relationship and maybe why like it didn't work out? Because I think a lot of couples get into van life with, you know, optimism and, you know, it's going to be an amazing adventure. And then you get on the road and maybe your travel styles don't align or you're just in such a small space together or, you know, there's so many you know, conflicting priorities and urgencies and things that come up when you're living in a van, you know, do you think that that kind of, you know, maybe helped implode the relationship a little bit? If that was a multiple choice question, it would be D for all of the above, because <laughs> it is a little bit of all of that. And like I said, we had been dating for two years already and living together for like a year and, and a bit. So we're like, we can live, we live together in a two bedroom apartment. We can, why not, you know? And so there were a few challenges for sure. Um, one, I think, yes, it is a challenge of two people coming together in a small space and like maybe not setting intentions, at, you know, making sure the intentions aligned at the beginning of the trip. Um, and maybe some of your, your listeners may have experienced this on a micro level where maybe you're going on vacation with your friends and then all they want to do maybe is party and then the other person maybe wants some downtime and it just ends up to be, you know, maybe not as great of a vacation as you thought, you know, just because the expectations didn't align. So there was that. Um, but I think the biggest challenge was actually, I think, a lot to do with our internal struggles on each of our end because 
we went on this trip trying to figure out what our next chapter was going to be like for each of us and together Mm -hmm. and at the same time trying to like make the best out of this trip we wanted to see so many places in 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 six months and so yeah I think that just led to a lot of like it manifested a lot of frustrations nitpicking on the little things um, I think it's only because not only, but one of the biggest reasons why is because we were also like internally struggling with a lot of our own challenges. Um, and one critical thing looking back is that humor and laughter is just such an important part of the relationship. In those moments, if you can't find the ridiculousness of the situation sometimes, you know, if you're eating outside and it starts to rain and you're kind of all grumpy and stuff instead of just like laughing about it. Like those little moments in, in those six months, like matters a lot. Mm -hmm. So lots of learnings. (laughs) Oh, we totally understand that. It's been three years for us and we have to always continue to laugh and smile and make Mm -hmm. sure to remember that we're on this beautiful journey and that we're, we should have fun with it no matter what it is that's going on around us, whether something's breaking or some, you know, like you said, bad weather. It could be so many different things. But yeah, you definitely have to try to keep that perspective. And sometimes it could be hard because you kind of get jaded by the fact of traveling so much and seeing all these different places, even in such a short time in six months, you know, because I mean, realistically, it's a long time, but it feels kind of short now to us, you know. It, it was short for us, too, because... um how many like how many days are you guys like traveling like uh, versus staying in a place? So we've definitely slowed down over the years. When we first started, we were moving almost every single day. Um, and then, you know, after our first challenge of trying to get to all of these mountains in a single season, the pandemic right. hit, which really kind of changed our mindset around travel and kind of forced us to slow down a little bit more. But we're still, you know, we go through ebbs and flows. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes it'll be like, we're moving, moving, moving. And like every couple of days, it's a new spot, a new spot, a new spot. And then sometimes we're just like, oh my gosh, we can't handle that anymore. We need to like slow Mm -hmm. down. But like the short answer would be probably two days at a spot and then we move on three days at a spot. Then we move on. Well, also right now we're trying to go to Panama and back within Mm -hmm. like a nine months frame. So we're also kind of feeling the crunch of like, we've been in Mexico for three months now of Mm -hmm. our nine month, you know, adventure. (laughs) So we need to start moving more quickly. Not only do we got to start moving for us, but we also have to start moving for our channel as well, you know, because people probably are starting to feel like, well, if you do nine countries in nine months, why are you still in the same country? But it's because Mexico is so much bigger than you know say the central america countries are so maybe we'll spend one month in um maybe two weeks in each one of those other countries you know right. who knows but mexico is large compared to all of them <laughs> yeah it's nice to have like some flexibility you know make some flexibility for yourself like we did six months there were all these places that we wanted to go and we were moving um, we would stay somewhere maximum two days, one night kind of thing. Yeah, it's, tough. it's tough. That was tough. So, yeah, I 
And also because I think we were like six months and then six months is over, you know, well, let, let me ask you this. Yeah. So you were staying in spots for two days, one night. Mm-hmm. What was there a difference between what you wanted to do in those spots compared to what he wanted to do in those spots? And is that why that, you know, the two night, the one night thing didn't work out? Yeah, this like the short, I mean, he kudos to him. He did a lot of like the researching. So, you know, out of those two nights, maybe, you know, there were times where we were there for two nights, three days. Right. But you would end up spending like, big chunk of your time kind of researching the next place where's the next campsite you know and all of that where we're gonna you know sleep overnight so yeah there was a conflict between I just wanted to stay longer and he wanted to do see more you know Mm -hmm. I wanted to like marinate in the culture a little bit more and he just he wanted to like see more of Europe yeah exactly so for him it was more about the the look like seeing the actual thing for you was more about the culture of the place. Yes. Yes. Um, and also I think I was kind of being maybe unrealistic. We did have like the Volkswagen van. I mean, it was like the biggest we can go in terms of the size of the van and still be able to maybe drive into some of the bigger cities in Europe you know, just through the streets and being able to park. Um, but still, it's not fun. Like, it's not fun going through those tiny little streets in Europe. And I did wanted to see, like, the cities versus I think he was definitely more like he wanted to be out in nature. So it was that as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard, you know, especially when you've got a short timeline and then conflicting priority because like if you had a longer timeline then you could have maybe like fit both of your wants and desires into something but when you're trying to move so quickly like it's amazing how long six months sounds like you're like oh we're going to be in Europe for six months like that's a very long amount of time but then Mm -hmm. when you hit the ground I was just talking to some friends of ours who are in Alaska right now and Alaska is one of these places where you have like a short time frame like a three to four month time frame of actually traveling there because you know you got you can only really be there or you probably only want to be there in the summer so you get there you know in late spring early summer and then you feel like you have all this time in the world and then at some point a switch flips in your mind and you say oh my god we only have this many weeks left you gotta move and then you feel like super time crunch like you've got to like hustle and move and get to all these things and do all and then it almost takes some of the enjoyment away from actually just like being there and enjoying the experience because you have the time limit on it where Mm -hmm. if you didn't have a time limit and you could just luxuriate you know forever and it didn't really matter you know I think that's kind of more of the travel style that you have now you know achieved in your life where it's like you know you don't feel the need to like move so quickly and you can actually just enjoy where you are and get to know some people in the area and make some better relationships and, you know, enjoy the culture more. And so do you want to kind of tell us, I think, you know, the part of the story, we got back to Vancouver and then, so how did you end up in Mexico? Well, actually when I went back to Vancouver, I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to go back with fresh eyes And maybe I'll just um, 
I had a thought actually going back to the corporate world and going back into real estate, you know. Um, but as I was like thinking about that, van life really did change everything for me. Like, I don't even with all the challenges that we we talked about, you know. And another challenge I'm just going to touch base on is like um, this constant feeling of needing to be productive, air quotes productive. You know, but I think looking back, I think I just had this skewed sense of what productive feels like. Mm. Like it felt like I'm, I'm not, if I'm not stressing or worrying or it means that I'm not doing enough. Mm. And is this like learned habit that even till this day, like I have to check myself on that and make sure that I'm not like wasting energy on creating anxiety for myself you know <laughs> and I could so, definitely relate to that and I think it a hundred percent comes from like the corporate world and like being in that hustle and the mentality of like you know you've got to get it done and sign the deal and do the work and you know if you're not working hard then you're not you know earning money and blah 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 um yeah. so I definitely still struggle with that I think Frank I'm uh, the complete opposite I'm like <laughs> I want to relax I want to kind of just enjoy my experience and move around and if I don't have anxiety that's I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. You know, <laughs> I, I, when I, when I start to feel the other way, I feel like that we're actually doing the wrong thing and we're getting away from our true selves and we're, you know, we're not, you know, we're running away from what, what is right. Right. That's, exactly. my, that's my feeling on it. Yeah. yeah it's hard to switch gears so quickly. I think the first, like however many months of van life is very much like, retraining your brain to get out of you know the mindset of like working and hustle and you know and into a, like a, a totally different mindset that you know it really does change your outlook on life it really does and I think like when I went back to Vancouver with that thought of like oh, I'm gonna go back with fresh eyes and you know go back into the corporate world really it was just based out of fear you know because I just haven't figured it all out so I go back to the mm -hmm. familiar but when I returned to Vancouver and that's when COVID hit, um, I just had like a lot of time to reflect on the van trip and just how much that has you know, had an impact on me. And that like, um, I don't want to go back to adopting the habit of needing to feel anxiety all the time to feel like I'm doing something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so also in just the sense of freedom even like just circling back to what i was saying earlier the sense of freedom even with the challenges is is all worth it and so as i was having all these thoughts you know knowing that actually having that location independent lifestyle is truly what makes me feel free the my partner comes along and i meet him in vancouver and we met actually uh prior to that just through social media we connected through social media he had he's been traveling for a while already as like a digital nomad and he just happened to be in Vancouver we met up and not so long after that <laughs> embarrassingly short maybe even <laughs> like a few months after that he decided to go to Tulum and I think like a couple months later I joined him and um, I just said, you know, I've been kind of writing stuff for friends here and there, 
uh, in the real estate world um, because during the van trip, I started journaling and writing a lot and sharing that with my friends. And during that time, like some of my friends would come to me and ask me to help them here and there to write things for them, mostly realtors, because that is my background. And that kind of continued. And then when I met my partner, he went to Tulum. I decided, you know what, I think I'll just commit to this and give this a shot and just really try to make this location independent lifestyle happen for myself. Um, so <laughs> like typical fashion, like typical classic Catherine of me, just, you know, if it's something that I want and desire, I just kind of go for it. Maybe a little bit of planning could, I could have benefited from a little bit of more planning, but <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know? And I just, I just packed my little pink suitcase and I moved to Tulum and it's been like two years now and I haven't looked back since. That's amazing. Well, let me ask you this. The the pink suitcase, is that all you have? <laughs> yes. And actually, awesome. actually, I have two pink suitcases, one big one and one small one. And I actually did, I have to admit, pack the small one thinking I did have like a small smidge of like, uh, you know, what, what if? if, you know, but like a month later, I was still with my pink little suitcase. I'm like, okay, I, I need my big suitcase now. I don't think I'm going back. <laughs> so what has life in Tulum been like for you? You know, like you moved to Mexico. Is it, you know, the same kind of thing where it's like, oh, you know, I'm just on vacation and we're just going to have a good time. And, you know, when does it kind of like kick into, I think there's a difference between like, you know, traveling for fun and then traveling as a lifestyle where you do have to, you know, make some income and have, you know, work. And did you have savings going into it? Or like, were you just kind of like, you know, throw caution to the wind and just see what happens and you'll figure it out? Oh yeah, that moment definitely hit. Um, three, I think three months after I was in Tulum, um, I was still freelancing and freelancing is hard. And especially, I think I just started not too long ago. Um, but because of like, there's actually quite a bit of uh, digital nomads in Tulum and just getting to know the communities, seeing what they're doing. Um, I decided to like, okay, I think I'm going to look for a company that would hire me remotely, fully remote. Prior to that, I didn't know that there was, there, there's that many opportunities out there for like a fully remote work. And I think that just kind of like amplified after COVID as well. So um, three months into Tulum, I, I end up working with a marketing agency back in Vancouver that hired me full time. And that's when I was able to, you know, support myself, uh, you know, with a stable income. But prior to that, you know, with the little pink suitcase, with going back to Vancouver, thinking like, okay, maybe I'll go back to corporate world is because I didn't have that stable, you know, financial income. And that really did affect it, you know, a lot of the way I, I approach things. And, you know, over, if there was like one theme over like the course of the last few years since I left Vancouver to do the van trip, 
is just that like there's always going to be uncertainties in our lives, you know, because we cannot predict the future. And but like to gain more clarity of what it is that you want and like to be able to like paint a vision for your future self to help, you know, alleviate some of that suffering, some of that like anxiety and stress. Um you must find like a moment of solitude. And I think that's what like band trip really did for me. That's what really like, you know, COVID kind of did for me, you know, um, just so I would encourage anyone that if they want more clarity in their lives, you know, to like ease some of that anxiety and stress to just like find the moments of solitude. If it's not daily, then once a week, it really makes a huge difference. I think it's about like breaking the routine a lot of the time. Totally. Like when you're working, like you said, you worked in for that company before you left for like seven years. I was five years with the same company and almost 10 years in the same industry. And you're just kind of on this rat race. And I feel like so many people, you know, just stay on that hamster wheel mm-hmm. for decades you know, and you never get time to take a breath. You get, you know, your two weeks of vacation and, you know, you're stressed out about where you're going and what you're going to do and how much fun that you can pack into those two weeks and blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of like, you know, it's over in a flash and you've spent $5,000 on a trip that, you know, you have a couple of cute pictures from and, you know, that's it. So I don't think we ever really have the space in that kind of model to, think about what do I really want? What do I want from my life? Where do I want to be? Like, what's important to me? You know, what do I want my next 10 years to look like? Yeah. You know, and is it the same? If it's the same, then great, then keep doing that. But if it's not the same, you know, how are you going to make the changes that you need to get to a different place? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, I know that might sound like overwhelming. (laughs) And it's like, I'm not suggesting or recommending or saying like, you know, take a moment out of your day and figure all that out, you know, is sometimes it just takes like, you know, when you're having your coffee in the morning, whether you're on your fan trip already, or like you're about to embark on it, like just while you're having your coffee in the morning, sit down with a paper and a pen and just see what comes up, you know, start there. Like, cause I know like that can be very overwhelming trying to figure everything out. And you want this to be something that's like a part of your routine. Like you said, you know, part of your ritual, um, because it's not a one-time thing. <laughs> like even now, like I, that is one of the most important parts of my day, you know, in the morning to sit down with my journal, um, because we can just get caught up. We can get caught up with our lives. That's for real. I I feel that it actually make me think about even on a different level, you know, if it's not van life, whatever it is that you're working in life, you should do that anyway, because it will really align you to the proper way that you want to go, like the direction that you're looking for. Because um, if you don't sit down and really just jot down your thoughts throughout time, you'll just kind of continue on this path of, you know, maybe that's not the right direction if you feel like you're already in the wrong direction. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that we could even take advice for 
like today, like doing the YouTube videos and stuff is really sit down and write what we want. You know, what, what do we want to make? How do we want to make it? Is it something that we are, we're enjoying as well, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, that's the reason why you have to sit down and, and jot those things down for sure. Yeah. You said the key word there, which is aligned, you know, getting yeah. aligned with what you want, your vision. And if you don't have that vision yet, that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. Just start with today. <laughs> what do you want from today? How do you want today to go? You know, mm-hmm. I would I would answer that and say just completely be over COVID. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my well, goodness! Like, yeah, I feel like for the last week or so, I heard a quote recently that it was like, you know, when you don't have your health, you only have one wish. But when you have your health you have many wishes. Yes. So like when you're sick, your only wish is to not be sick anymore, you know, or hurt or in pain or, you know, whatever is ailing you. But when you feel good and your body is healthy and you're eating well and, you know, you're moving and then you can start to dream about all of these other things. Like, do I want to change a career? Do I want to live in a van? Do I want, you know, but you can't think about those things if you don't feel well, you know? Yeah. Talk about like something that brings you to the present moment. Nothing like being sick or just like you said, pain. (laughs) I will say one thing that's interesting is I, every time I go outside, everything seems to be a bit brighter, you know, like like happy days are on, you know, they're right there. I could almost grab them. Right. What a great analogy. And, you know, for everything, when it comes to like, um, you go through some kind of challenge, some kind of suffering or pain, and then it brings you to the present moment. And then once you get to the present moment, you start to look out into the world and like, you realize how beautiful everything is. That's the that's the pattern. <laughs> I think it's the same that goes for travel too. Like when you're on the road and you're you're like at first it's very scary, right? And like getting into the van and, and going to these different places. Uh you're like, well, where am I gonna sleep? What's gonna happen? Like, is is somebody gonna bother us? But then you <laughs> you realize how wonderful the world really is, how nice most people are. You know, if anything, there's a lot of people that are so generous and try to help you out, you know, rather than the opposite. Did you yeah. have you had the experience? Yes. I've also had the experience of, you know, I was sorry, just like one thought came to me before I forget. Um, one of the things that I noticed that's different from like people that have traveled and the van life thing for a while versus people maybe are that are digital nomads and are location independent and traveling around is that being in a van really helps you to realize how little you need. You really would know what it means to live minimally, you know? And I think I've never actually let go of that till this day. Like I, I, I could totally have just like lived off of that little pink suitcase, to be honest, <laughs> as long as I stay somewhere warm. <laughs> but yeah, that's one thing that I, I noticed as I'm looking in the back of your van right now all these little goodies that you have (laughs) yeah well I think the thing about the van too you tend to fill all your nooks and crannies so like every cupboard and every you know if you have one suitcase you fill one suitcase if you have two suitcases you fill two suitcases if you have five you fill five you know so like the thing about the van you know the more 
spots that you have for storage and things and stuff that you know we try not to buy knickknacks and things but I'm always like oh like maybe we should get you know a gift for somebody or you know you have a little bit more space and luxury to be able to like fill all of these spots but with that being said there's a lot of hats here and I want to get rid of half of them (laughs) (laughs) but I'm sure they all serve an individual purpose right they they, I mean they all serve the same purpose (laughs) in a different color so I mean realistically we only need two of them (laughs) (laughs) and you have a lot of books too I see yeah this is our only little book nook but it's like a journal and some books and some survival stuff and uh, things like that. So, you know, I think that we've pared down pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, only having things that we need, you know, obviously we have everything for four seasons in the van too, because we don't have a storage locker somewhere. So like, you know, our snow boots and our, you know, winter pants and stuff like that is all, you know, tucked away because mm. obviously we're in Mexico right now and don't need, you know, snowboard gear. Yeah. But, you know, to be able to have everything for an entire year of travel and any kind of weather, you know, you need a couple of suitcases yeah. <laughs> or one big van, yeah. you know. Um. So you were asking, did I experience any like... Did you experience like the the how nice the world really was when you were traveling in the van compared to, you know, when, when you didn't travel and you had the, the fears of, of like what, well, what's going to happen? Are people going to be mean? Like, you know what I mean? Everybody was very friendly. And I think it was, we weren't as outgoing as I think I, we, we would like to be, you know, um, we would get to the campsites. I don't think we walked around and, you know, made as many conversations that that I think would have really helped to make us feel not as lonely. Mm-hmm. It can get kind of lonely sometimes. Um, and like I would do van trip all over again because or van life all over again because because I've learned so much and I just want to apply it. to enhance the experience because there's so much of it that is just amazing you know like the the i'm talking about the sense of freedom that i feel now as being a location independent and and slow traveling but the level of freedom that you feel traveling in a van is like another level you know and that component that i just mentioned of just being more social talking to people, building a community, like that would have made a world of a difference. And I think I've learned learned all of that towards the end of the van trip. Cause like you said, I think there's like a period in the beginning where you're just kind of, you're adjusting. You're actually unlearning a, a lot of the things that you've picked up on just, you know, being um, tied to a location in the corporate world or whatever you want to call it, right? So by the end, where I finally kind of like really was able to see all the good that comes with this van life, it was over. (laughs) And so, you know, my partner and I now, he's always had like a dream of like doing one of those Airstream things. So we might do that. I think we might do that. We might do like, you know, something like across, you know, 
across the United States or something, which would be kind of cool for me, which I haven't really seen much of. Yeah, I think that would be very awesome. Is that something that you see in like your near future? Before we started recording, you said you're probably going to be in Mexico for at least another six months. You know, like what is it or how has it been for you being in Mexico? Because I think Mexico is a very scary destination for a lot of people. And even like still, even though we've been in Mexico for so many months and haven't had any issues at all, we still get comments on our YouTube or, you know, whatever that's like, oh, I would never go there. It's so dangerous. Like you're going to get murdered and, you know, all this crazy (laughs) stuff. So how has, you know, your life in Mexico been and, you know, maybe looking beyond Mexico, what do you kind of see for your future? You know, um, my first destination after I left Vancouver was Colombia. Um, and I think for many people, especially like Medellin, they would think that it's dangerous. Not to say that there's not like more dangerous neighborhoods than others within Medellin, right? But overall, it is definitely not what, just as I'm speaking from my own experience, it's definitely not what the news or media may make it out to be. And, you know, ironically, like once I, once I'm in Colombia or in Mexico and I'm away from Vancouver and Vancouver, Canada, I would hear on the news about shootings in Vancouver, in Vancouver, Canada, and how dangerous Vancouver and Canada is right now, you know? So I think it's all about just how the media makes it out to be, where you actually are hanging out, what your lifestyle is like when you're in those cities. You know, um, when we were in Tulum, there there were a couple of shootings. Um, it was like on this popular strip where all the clubs are. Um, it was a targeted thing, you know, and we're not part of that lifestyle. We're not part of that. Like we go to our little digital co-working spaces, you know, we do some yoga <laughs> by the beach. So we're kind of away from that. Um, same thing in Colombia, you know, we were living like maybe an hour away from Medellin up in the mountains. Like the old dangerous thing that could happen was maybe like the cows next to us would break out of their fences. Oh my God. Watch <laughs> out. <laughs> so when people talk about like the country as a whole, you know, it's, I think it's not fair, you know? And you could like say that with every country, the United States, Canada, right? It just, you have to be, you just have to be smart, you know, about things when you travel to places. That's my experience. You hit it perfectly. It's all about lifestyle one. One, if you're going out to these clubs and you're drinking and you're doing drugs and stuff like that, there's a much higher chance that you're going to put yourself in a position of danger, you know, and uh, you know, you're, if you're staying out super late at night, that's when a lot of criminal activity happens is overnight. So yeah, definitely staying away from those things is a huge help. I'll also say that a lot of these places that people say are super dangerous, we have to remember that normally millions of people live there. So like there's there's a million people every day getting by, living their lives, doing everything that they do and making it out on the other side every single day. And mm-hmm. not probably not even that fearful for their lives, you know? So I, I, 
I think the perspective is, is that if you actually put yourself in the position rather than listening to what say the news says, you know, cause they're, they're always trying to paint a picture to, to get people to watch. Right. Exactly. And, and if they could tell you something that's going to make you stuck to the TV and like, Oh, did you hear about this and tell somebody else? Because then if you tell somebody else, then they're going to go and they're going to watch and see. <laughs> it's really just them trying to pass the bucket to, to get them to get other people to watch. So that's the reason why they push these, like, you know, obviously it's sad when it happens, nobody wants it to happen. You know, these, these sad things, but it's a way for them to continue to push people to get to watch, come and watch their stuff. Yeah, I agree. In terms of like random acts of kindness, maybe I didn't experience it personally as much during the band trip, just because like I personally wasn't as social, but like I've learned from that. And so like when I'm tra- slow traveling now, I, I am much more social. And if anything, I've experienced so much more random acts of kindness where we don't even speak the same language, you know, when I'm in, in some kind of pickle, like, oh, <laughs> I'm riding my scooter and it runs out of gas, you know, a random stranger will come along and help me with that. And actually the most recent thing that happened was um, around Christmas, I got into a scooter accident and I injured my leg that I needed to take, be taken to the hospital and in that moment, just some random stranger came by, you know, didn't speak English, like put me in his van, uh, put me in his truck, and he drove like 15 minutes. This is just like during the weekday, midday, you know, yep. and drove me to a hospital and went back to the gas station where, like close to the gas station where I left my scooter, drove it back to the hospital. And then left. I didn't wow. get his name. I didn't get anything. I didn't even get a chance to say thank you. What an angel. And he just did all of that and was like, okay, are you, you're good? Okay, I, I'm going to go now. <laughs> and, and that awesome. was it. Yeah. People are super kind. I think we just have to be open to that, like as people in general. I think if your heart's open to it, it'll find you. You know, it's like um, when you when you're when you're true to your purpose and your meaning and you're true to being open and, and, you know, loving with other people that will just align with you. And that's what happened in that moment is that person aligned with you. And it's like, so somebody in need that was hurt, maybe possibly at some point in time, they were in the same position somebody yeah. came and kindly helped them, you know, and it, it's, so, it's such a powerful thing. Uh, when, when you get help from somebody, it automatically makes you want to help somebody else. So it's like, if you, if you help somebody, they're going to want to help somebody else and so on and so forth. And then it just becomes like this very, you know, uh, uh, attracted thing to each individual or like everybody's susceptible to it, you know? I agree. I mean, just even telling you the story again, it makes me want to like go help somebody. (laughs) I'll add that to my list. Yeah, I love that. But I think like you said, it's about being open to it. Like in those first couple of months that you were in the van, you know, if you're not talking to strangers, if you're not putting yourself out, if you're not, you know, making those conversations and the connections, it can be very isolating. And then, you know, if something does happen, you're in that little isolated bubble and, you know, nobody is there to help because it's just you. And, you know, I think 
it's important to, you know, get outside of the van and get outside of, you know, your little bubble of like your relationship or whatever to make new connections and to meet new people and to put yourself in front of all of these opportunities. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you're in a co-working space and that's where you like to hang out. Has that been really good for you in terms of building community where you are and like meeting other digital nomads and like, you know, building this fire inside of yourself to like become, you know, financially independent and like um, location independent? So much so. Yeah, I think some of my closest friends today, like a small handful, but still like some of my closest friends today are, are people that I've met in Tulum through like co-working spaces. I think it's just like what you were saying. Once you get aligned with what you want, your vision, you also attract the people that are, you know, are on that same path and you just click and then you end up supporting and encouraging each other, you know? And I think because they're, they have maybe, they are going through the same thing or they've been through the same thing where there's a lot of empathy and compassion. You don't feel judged for, you know, starting over or starting a new chapter, which is important. You, you want that safe space to grow. Right. So yeah, it's been tremendously helpful to know that there are communities out there, whether it's like van life communities or digital nomad communities, you know, you have your peeps out there (laughs) know that you just have to be open to it. And like you said, and just, do a little bit of, do a little bit of work, you know, go do your research, you know, go on Instagram and look for these groups or Facebook and whatnot, like they're out there. So let's talk about what you're doing right now in terms of career anywhere. Do you want to kind of explain more about how, you know, this kind of came about and how you're helping other people become, you know, digital nomads and location independent? Because I think one of the biggest questions that a lot of people getting into van life have is about how to make money on the road. A lot, well, actually, a lot of it is about the toilet situation <laughs> in the shower. But then, you know, the second question, the next most important question, you know, is about how to earn money and, you know, sustain the lifestyle. Because, right. you know, even if you have like, we started out with savings, all kind of like you going on like a one year sabbatical um, and then have like flipped that into, you know, three years on the road. And, you know, we do the content creation, you know, via YouTube and these other things. But I will say that, like, that's not an easy path to go. That's probably one of the harder paths to go. So uh, just again, understand exactly what it is that uh, you offer and you could help people figure out. It would be really interesting to know. Before I get to that fun fact, yeah, the toilet situation was a huge topic. Like before we went on this van trip, we're like, what are we going to do with this toilet situation? We like um bought, initially we bought like this portable toilet. Basically it's a bucket with a toilet seat, right? And in the bucket you would put in um, like the, the stuff that you would put in hamster cages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we thought that we would be using. We ne- we never used it once. And because <laughs> in Europe, what we realized, there's so many campsites everywhere that have full amenities. So we never even used it once, which is, you know, kind of sad. I actually kind of was looking forward to just like trying it once. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's basically what our toilet is now. It's emergency. <laughs> <laughs> it's emergency. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we use it quite often, and it, it does the job. We've great. used it a lot more since we've been in Mexico. I yeah. think. I don't mm. know why, but it's just it's become more well, I'll, necessary. I, I know why because uh, for the baños here, even though it's only five pesos, you you have to pay for it. So it's <laughs> like, I right, I don't want to pay for the bathroom, so I'm going to use the one inside. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Yes, Career Anywhere. So my partner, Bal, and I started a company called Career Anywhere, where we provide like tools to help um, people that want to find a career path that's aligned with who they are. And that would support and encourage like the location independent lifestyle that they dream of. Um, as well, it also it, it's to help people give a sense of what that lifestyle is like. Like, for example, like highlighting some of the, the co-working and co-living spaces, uh, communities that are out there, um, which, like I said, it really makes a difference when you're traveling alone or even as a couple. In terms of finding something that you that would financially support you where you feel stable and safe, there is no, like, really, like, an easy route, right? I think... You want to find maybe, ideally, you want to find a route that has less friction as possible. And I think that comes down to finding that's something that you're aligned with. Again, I know that's been like a key word in this podcast episode, but it is so true. It really does start from there because the path, some of you might heard of this before because <laughs> it's been said uh, often before, you know, your path is not a straight line, it's a winding road, right? And that's true for any path that you're going to choose. So whether you want to be like a freelancer or even like work for this ideal company that's fully remote or you want to start something entrepreneurial, you're, all, you're always going to have challenges. But if you find something that's like aligned with what you want, um, something that you know you have to give to share with the world that's going to help someone else, it's going to really make that process so much easier. And I think like with the book that we just released, we dedicated like the full first part of that book to help you get aligned in a very systematic way, you know. Step one, step two, you know, think back to when you were a child, you know, what were some of the things that you like to do? What kind of roles did you play in your social circle? Are you a helper? Are you a maker? Are you an analyzer? You know, we just kind of get really systematic with it in terms of helping you get aligned with a potential career path that's going to help you um, live that location independent lifestyle. I think it's really important to find something you like to do because especially if you're working for yourself as like an entrepreneur or, you know, freelancer, you know, you have to be very intrinsically motivated to actually work because it's very easy to say, oh, well, today we're going to go explore the pyramids and then tomorrow we're going to, you know, the downtown market. And then, you know, especially when you're on this like really fun adventure where you just want to see things and do things and have fun and eat cool food and, you know, meet cool people to then be like, okay, and now I have to sit down and work for however many hours 
Yeah. You know, and especially when you're starting a business, you know, and everything is on you, you know, you're pushing a rock up a hill, there might be a lot more hours involved than you thought, right? So it's super important to find something that you're actually aligned with and excited about. Because mm-hmm. if it's just like, oh, I'm going to do this because I think it's going to make me a lot of money, you know, mm-hmm. period. That's probably going to be hard for you to be like, okay, I'm going to sit down every day and commit to doing this every day mm-hmm. to make it work. Right. Yeah. There's a couple of things that we um, mentioned in the book. Like, for example, like you're, you need to cultivate your passion, right? Um, and how do you do that? you remind yourself of what you're working towards, you know, and it might be as simple as like having it jot down on a sticky note and just place it somewhere where you can see, you know, and just waking up every day, seeing that, and then being able to cultivate that motivation, that passion for what you're doing to, for the process as well. Um, And the second thing is like, you're right. Like sometimes you're, you're traveling and you're like, Oh, you want to just, you know, go to, go find all the best, you know, croissants. Sorry, I just like totally projected my own experience (laughs) into that statement. (laughs) But so another thing we mentioned in the book is about slow traveling. When you're slow traveling, you don't have as much of that urge of like this time constraint to see everything. You know, you can take your time. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful because when you are trying to move so quickly and like see you know, nine countries in how nine months or, you know, whatever it is, you don't have the luxury of slow travel. And I think that, you know, it's a little bit of the mindset of like the vacation lifestyle in terms of like, okay, I have so much time and I need to jam pack everything into it versus like long-term slow travel is like, I'm going to enjoy Tulum for six months. So I don't have to go and see the, that thing today. I can, you know, schedule it so that I could work today and then tomorrow I'll go see it, you know? So I think that's really important to like set your expectations. Again, you mentioned that earlier about like, you know, before you even set out on the trip, you know, what are your expectations? And I think that everybody out there that's trying to become a digital nomad needs to remember is that when you're becoming a digital nomad, normally you're, you're working for yourself. So you're becoming your own boss. So now that means that you have to schedule everything yourself. You have to work on everything yourself. You have to come up with the ideas, whatever it is that you're doing, you have to do everything yourself. You don't have, Mm -hmm. you know, a group of people that, you know, uh, like a normal business would have several people, you know, one person's the assistant, one person's the accountant, one person's the, you know, person that goes and talks the salesperson, you know, and then, and then you have several people that finish the job and put the job together, right? Yeah. Where when you become a digital nomad, a lot of the time you are doing everything. Uh, if it's just two of you, you know that that makes it a little bit easier. But if it's one person, it might make it harder. And it gives you a chance to kind of like solidify some of these routines and rituals, right? And then once you have that down, then maybe you could, you know travel a little faster, you know, instead of a year at a time or six months, maybe you could do like three months at a time, but at least you have the experience of like adapting to a new place with new rituals and routines, especially like when you're traveling um, this way versus like the van with the van, like that's your constant, right? 
that's mm-hmm. your home and that moves with you. But if you're you're traveling as a digital nomad, you only have your suitcases, right? You're moving to a new home and you're kind of like having to readjust every time. So it, it, I, if anything, I would do it reverse, slow travel first, once you have that down, and then maybe you consider you can travel a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. Kind of to like, it's almost like walking in the shallow end before you dive into the deep end, you know, <laughs> exactly. like testing it out, figuring out your system, figuring out how you're making money, figuring out how you like to travel or what's important to you. And even like your relationship with your partner and, you know, mm-hmm. making sure everything is like good. Um, do you think that you'll, you know, eventually get back into that Airstream life and start, you know, traveling on the road again more quickly? hundred <laughs> percent. I didn't do all any of those things that you just mentioned <laughs> in the past. And I really learned from that. And like, I really want to just do it again, because like I said, I've learned so much and I really, um, I really miss that level of freedom that comes with um, living in a van and being able to see new places and also have your home with you at the same time. Towards the end of that um, six months trip, I remember like the last couple of days I was thinking to myself, I'm going to miss this van. This has been my home. Like it's my home. I'm leaving my home. And it was a little bit bittersweet, you know? So in the back of my mind, I think on that last couple of two days, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be back. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. I find it to be a funny feeling. It makes a lot of sense because, you know, it, it, it is your home. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're, when you're leaving any home that you've ever lived in your life, you always have this like feeling like a, like this disconnection from it, or like, you don't want to leave it. You're like trying to hold on to it, but <laughs> You know, it's a it's a van to most people outside. (laughs) And I think that even for us, you know, even though we we know the feeling, like still psychologically in some type of way, it's still a van. But it's like that's been our home. Mm -hmm. It's just so hard to to let go of that. Nobody will really understand unless they've lived in one. Nobody really understand, yeah. And then at the same time, you know, there's an excitement of creating your next new home. Yes, totally. So if people are interested in, you know, creating their next new home with, you know, becoming location independent, where can they find all of this like juicy information that you've got um, to help them kind of on their life path and, you know, figuring out where they're aligned and finding that career path and, you know, really making the moves to make it happen? Yes, they can head to our website, careeranywhere.co. And there you'll find our book. You can find a free workbook and other like free resources as well. Um, There's also a monthly digital planner that you can get from the website. Um, And you can also find us on Instagram as well at careeranywhere.co. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. We're really excited to, you know, share your story and hopefully inspire some other people to figure out this digital nomad lifestyle because you know, I think it is so attractive to be able to work from anywhere. And, you know, it's one of those things that people are super afraid of until they dive into it and then realize that like, 
there are so many options and so many possibilities. I just, if you had, can you maybe list off some of the jobs or careers or, you know, options that you've seen other digital nomads be successful at? It's mostly either in marketing or like software. So um, whether you're like a designer or like a UX designer or like a writer like myself, I think those two do do really well because there are so many people actually going off on their own as well. And it becomes like a little community of like just helping each other, right? So I found that for me, um, once I proclaim, hey, I'm a copywriter, I realized like how many people out there actually need my help, like, because they're creating their own websites. They're, they ha- they're running a business, but they don't have time to run their social media accounts or, or things like that. So yeah, I think anything that has to do with, uh, I know a lot of people have creative creativeness in them you know there's a creative side to them that maybe that they're thinking about or afraid to maybe dabble into um don't be because there's a lot of resources out there now that you can go to that can help you with that and support you on that journey Cool. Love it. Thank you so much. Well, we appreciate having you on the podcast and uh, we hope that we get to follow up with you and see how everything's going and see how the business is. And hopefully we send some people your way. Thank you so much, guys. (laughs) That was such an amazing conversation. I feel like I learned so many things, even just about like what we could be doing. Yeah, honestly, it opened my eyes too. I think we need, Frank and I are very good at starting new routines that, you know, we'll read about in a book or we'll hear about on a podcast or we'll, you know, somebody will say and we're like, oh, like, that's really smart. And then we do it for a little while and then we totally stop doing it. Yeah, like Alex said, we're very good at starting them. We're very (laughs) bad at finishing them. And uh, that is, you know, maybe something that I need to work on myself as well. Uh, Like we have a book that we're supposed to be reading and for whatever reason... It, we just haven't gone through it and we're probably halfway through it, but we've had it for so long and we really should have been done with it about a month ago. Yeah. And then there's always the setbacks and the COVID and the whatever and the busyness. And you can make a million excuses for why you're not doing something. But, you know, before we even got into this van, I had, you know, all these ideas about daily meditation routine and, you know, a daily yoga practice and journaling and all that stuff. And, you know, I do it in ebbs and flows and, you know, sometimes, you know, it just feels like there's more time for things like that. Um, But I definitely love the idea of sitting down with a cup of coffee in the morning and like affirming, you know, in your journal, what do you want for the day? And what is, you know, a goal? And I'm thinking even about like, what is proof that you're on the right track? Yeah, this is something that we learned a long time ago about like, you know, where is the proof? Like, okay, you're starting a business and, you know, you feel like you're working all the time and nothing is going right. But like you could find proof in every single day. Like somebody leaves a positive review on your product. That's proof that you're moving in the right direction. You know, somebody, you know, was referred by their friend who absolutely loved, you know, their experience with you. That's proof that you're moving in the right direction. And I think it's so easy as you know, entrepreneurs that, you know, Frank and I are to get lost in the weeds of like, 
making the podcast, two videos a week, social media, getting it out, you know, just trying to do everything all at once and just feeling like we're juggling all of these things at the same time that we never really sit down and be like, wow, like, look at what we've done so far. And I also think like we, we have to realize that we are successful doing what we're doing. If we weren't, we wouldn't still be able to keep doing it. But that being said, you know, we have had the ability to create the content and do all the things that we want to do. But we also need to take a moment and take a break to, you know, make sure that we're still continuing to create the content that we want to create instead of just kind of falling in line and creating like what others are creating or what maybe, you know, YouTube might want us to create or what's easy we want to create things because we enjoy creating them, not because it's like the trend or whatnot. We, but we also want to keep people interested and excited. So we have to be interested and excited. If we're not interested and excited, then why would somebody else be that way? Yeah, and it's hard to like maintain that momentum over years. You know, I yeah. think that's kind of the struggle at this current point. And I think one of the things is, is that when you first get into something, you're super excited. Everything in you is like, I want to be there. I'm thriving through this. And then as it, as you age into it, it starts to become more of a habit or more of like a thing that you just do. Well, and I think too, we're also accustomed to like fast results and things moving quickly. And then, you know, you look at, at it and you're like, wow, we've been doing this for three years. And like, yeah, we're way further than we were when we started three years ago, but it also doesn't feel like we're where we want to be for having done it for three years. And maybe it'll take seven, Yeah, you know, but it's like that point where you're like, are we on the right path? And are we doing, you know, things that we're supposed to be? And like, is this working? Yeah. Like the fact that three months in three months in one country feels like it's too long and we need to move on to a new country because of content too, as well. And like, the type of travel that we're doing is, is that what you want? You know, is that what, is that what it's supposed to be? Um, well, I guess there's no answer of what it's supposed to be. It's like, what do we want? And I think that, you know, for me personally, it's hard to enjoy. It's hard to enjoy period. Cause I feel like we are always doing something or thinking about, you know, how to film it or thinking about, the dogs <laughs> doing whatever the heck Paco's doing right now. Um, yeah, I agree. But I, like, it's hard to just be in the moment. And like, often I have to kind of pinch myself and be like, I shouldn't be worrying about these things. I should just be enjoying this moment because so many people would be head over heels to be sitting where we're sitting right now. Yeah. And it's uh tough for me sometimes from both ends. Cause I can make it hard on Alex because I'm the one, you know, trying to be more outside and be like in the actual place we're in. And, uh, that makes it hard for her because she's like, we need to get this work done. Like we have to be in here and we have to do this. And I can understand why that would be frustrating. But then on the other end, for me, it would be frustrating because, you know, I want to be immersed in the, in the experience that we're having. But at the same time, you can't have both. You have you you have to have both. Actually, you have to have a balance of both of them, so that way you know the work lines up with being paid and enjoying the experience lines up with you know being able to afford that experience. Yeah, you can't do all the fun things if you can't pay for the fun things. Correct. Yeah. So it's all about finding a proper balance in it, and uh, you know, is going 
fast and driving a lot, uh, taking away from that because realistically when we go faster, I drive a lot more. So it makes it to where I can't work as much. And in the beginning we had, you know, a lot less on our plate. We only had YouTube really on our plate. And now we have a YouTube channel, a podcast, you know, a website, merchandise, you know, we have just all these different things. Uh, we're reaching out to companies and talking to companies and trying to make deals and doing all these different things. So it's like, you have just a lot more, uh, put into our own basket for two people compared to what it was when we originally started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. And I think maybe, you know, starting that routine of looking inward every day and just taking that moment to like, think about what we want would be, you know, a first step in figuring out, you know, what the next three years are going to look like, or, you know, like, how are we going to, you know, what happens after nine countries in nine months? Yeah. You know, what do we want that to look like? I don't know. Yeah. So anyways, this has become a therapy session for us. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we want to be open and honest with you guys. So we want you to understand that we have our struggles too. And we're thinking about these things all the time. And it does put... Um, you know, a little blunder in our energy sometimes. Yeah, but it's funny, though, because I feel like if you look back to, like, 2019, when we were planning and, you know, everything was about, like, how do we get in the van and all that, you know, there was struggles with that time, too, <clears throat> of, like, where are our priorities and how are we going to make money on the road and do we have enough savings and what do we do with our jobs? And, you know, there's different chapters of your life come with different obstacles and just because you move into a van doesn't mean that all of your troubles are going to magically go away like I think the biggest challenge is often like getting into the van but then as you're on the road you'll come up with new challenges and there'll be new hurdles and adventures and ups and downs and things that you have to think about and deal about and you know van life is awesome but that can't cure all of your, you know, worldly questions. Yeah, it can't. But I will say that if you are interested, it is definitely a life worth living. Um, Alex and I have enjoyed the heck out of it, and we're going to continue to enjoy it until we decide it's time. Yeah, who knows what that... I don't know. I don't know what that'll look like. I don't either. Yeah, I don't see that happening anytime soon, so... Yeah, we'll just we'll roll with the punches, you know. Regardless, with all that being said, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, if you guys could, please leave a five-star review, and we will feature you in our next uh, podcast as the review of the week. Yeah, and come and find us on all of the socials. It's FNA Van Life on anywhere that you do social media. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and we hope that you guys have an FNA day. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.